happy tenant is a good tenant. We did not intend to be in the property management business. The property management industry is very sharing. We're providing housing for human lives. And life happens to everybody. You don't manage as many properties as I do without the stories. Like six grown men jump back like, what the hell was that? Something's about to eat us. You're listening to the Property Manager Podcast, brought to you by Buildium. Real stories, real people. I'm Tony Milo from Buildium, and this is the Property Manager Podcast. Welcome to the Property Manager Podcast. Tony Milo here from Buildium, and as always, I am with Rachel Graham, Director of Marketing, and Fred Tracy, video production, multimedia extraordinaire. Good morning, Tony. Good morning. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> I think hey. you made Fred blush. I think I, I think I did. <laughs> and I have not even had one cup of coffee. Let me just make that clear to everybody. No, but in any case, let's let's talk about the interview that we recently did with Brianna Para from the Brazil team out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, one of the things that struck me was how much Vegas is really changing. Uh, regulations are changing. Rents are increasing every year. Of course, a whole bunch of tech companies are moving there. And it's really a market that has evolved more quickly than most. Um, What are some of the things that are on your radar for that market, Rachel? Yeah, that's really true. I mean, when we think about Vegas, they've really branded themselves as being, um, you know, very casino focused. So it's very focused on what happens on the Strip. Uh, But what we're seeing, and Robin on our team spends a lot of time looking at this data, we're seeing a lot of companies uh, move away from the larger primary markets like um, LA and San Francisco, Boston, New York, uh, in favor of some of these secondary markets just because real estate for them is so much cheaper and the people that they are employing are able to find more affordable housing. And it's sort of this, um, it's like a different kind of migratory pattern um, back when, you know, the tribes would sort of follow the crops around. Now people are following the jobs. And, uh, and so we're seeing a lot of populations of these major cities radically shift as companies move into you know, smaller markets, uh, comparatively smaller markets like Vegas and Nashville and other places. Yeah, it's definitely cheaper. You ever been to Vegas, Fred? Yeah, two years ago. I went for a Buildium video shoot, interviewed some customers and how they use Buildium. And Brianna's actually one of the people we interviewed. She's super nice, very, very detail-oriented. And uh, she grew her portfolio, I think, from 40 to 200 properties at the time. And she's big into tracking every aspect of what goes on in her business, whether it's a tenant logging in, whether it's an employee doing something wrong and creating an edit log. Yeah, definitely got that impression. She stays on top of her business and... Right now, you have to in the Vegas market because there are so many things that are changing, especially along the lines of regulations, um, which she mentioned. Uh, There are challenges uh, around uh, getting bad tenants out of their apartments. There are also regulation changes that uh, make it so that property managers have to give even more notice. So it's, it's a more challenging equation in some ways, but it's also a booming market in others. So I think maintaining that connection with people and getting quality and maintaining quality resonance is still still a challenge that hasn't gone away. Um, Does she talk about how like so in this booming market, like is she finding more and more competition sort of cropping up and how does she differentiate or does she talk about um, just like what she stays to stay on top of her business like nobody's business? She's also finding that there is more and more competition, but that there are more and more people that are willing to underprice her. So, you know, that's, of course, has to do with 
you know, knowing your value, crunching the numbers so that you don't offer a price that really can't support the service that you offer. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things as a property manager is knowing your worth, knowing your value, and making sure that you don't, you know, become the cheapest option in town, because then essentially you're just not doing yourself a service, especially when you, you know, you, you deliver a high quality product. With everything changing so fast, you know, property managers just keeping up with all of the changes and making sure that their, you know, their their fees are in compliance with the new regulations and that their processes match the new things. And then, you know, figuring out what, what changes they need to make in their paperwork and their documentation um, so that uh, so that they are as current as they possibly can be, even with that kind of rate of change. Yeah, and I think you know that the idea of change and adapting to it is also really important in a market like Vegas, uh, because as Brianna said, there are certain companies that are moving their entire workforce to the city, and so when that happens, you know, property managers have an opportunity to change up their service so that they cater to that larger company and bringing over those people and, and really make the onboarding experience uh, scalable, but as personable as possible. So you know, definitely an opportunity out there for property managers who are willing to change and, and go after that new business. Well, we obviously don't know Vegas as well as Brianna does. So we should just get right to the episode. How about that? Okay, welcome to season two of the Property Manager Podcast. My name is Tony Mayola, and today I am joined by Brianna Parra from the Brazil team. How are you doing today, Brianna? Doing well. How are you, Tony? Great. And you are talking to us all the way from Las Vegas. That is, that's a pretty hot market these days. Lots of pun intended. <laughs> it's extremely hot here right now. It's probably 101 and it's only 825 in the morning here. At least it's a dry heat is what a lot of people try to say. Yeah. I don't know if that really applies after you break like a hundred. <laughs> I couldn't imagine even a hundred with any humidity at all. I mean, when it rains here, it definitely holds the heat in more with that humidity. So I enjoy my dry heat rather than the humid heat for sure. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, about what you what you do for the Brazil team. So I've been with Brazil team almost eight years. We're going on, our, on, on my eighth year with the company. I pretty much oversee and run the property management division of our company. We are a full service brokerage and real estate company and specialize in investments and investors. Um, a lot of flipping when the market obviously crashed here. That's what, what our specialty was. And a lot of those portfolios that we obtained, uh, we manage. So I, I oversee three of my staff members here and that's really what runs our management division. And when things escalate, they come to me. <laughs> uh-huh. Sounds, sounds like fun. Really going back to uh, the market in Vegas, you know, you mentioned that you know, it used to be more of a flipping type of market. Um, how are you seeing it change these days? What's what's happening over there? We're seeing the market kind of balance out and transition into a normal market. Last year, if we would have done this podcast during the summer, I would have told you that it was crazy hot and nonstop. Um, people were paying 20000 above appraised value just because they, they wanted to beat out the next buyer and they were willing to put that in the contract. Now, you're seeing more of a normal market and we're seeing buyers and sellers negotiate more, like I said, as, as, a, as a regular market rather than uh, a seller's market. So you were seeing a lot over asking. Uh, you were seeing, you know, rents increasing. Well, uh, and let me ask you this, like, how is that, how has that affected rents? 
so far for for you and the properties you manage? Well, right now the the market has slowed down, you know, due to I think just the affordability. People are getting blown out, um, and now that's that's getting pushed into our rents. Our rents we've seen an increase of about ten to fifteen percent, depending on the area. Within the last twelve months, within the last six months, we're increasing rents like crazy, and and I think the biggest you know part about it is our city is so fast growing, um, and it's not a normal market where you see little fluctuations and increases uh, on an average, but we're seeing huge and rapid growth and then rapid decline and rapid growth and rapid decline. And it's definitely affecting our rents to where rents are going up. Um, owners can be a little more discerning. You know, as far as application and qualifications go, we're seeing multiple applications on every single property mm-hmm. and people are getting blown out and frustrated. Properties that we're renting for maybe 900, you know, in, in a older um, and more populated area are now renting for 200, 300 more. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a familiar story. Um, you know, living in the, in the Boston area, we definitely have a lot of, you know, the same overheated market um, that, you know, I, I don't know that it's normalized yet here. People have keep saying that it will. <laughs> and it seems like every sort of, you know, every April people are saying, well, it has to level out. Um, and it just really hasn't yet. But I think that in the back of people's minds, people's minds, they're expecting it to happen soon. So, yeah, and, and I know that rents have continued to go up uh, in the Boston area. So it's, yeah, it's definitely something. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, there's a, actually a, a, Lynn, uh, a Wynn Casino that opened up uh, right outside of Boston. So maybe you can tell us what we have to look forward to. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. Look forward to as far as what, as far as people coming, as far as the economy, or I mean, I'm not really sure what you're hinting at there. You can probably party a little later into your evening now that there's a casino. <laughs> yes, that is true. Yeah. I mean, um, just curious. I, I mean, I guess Vegas has always been like that, right? Um, Vegas has always was built on, built around, you know, the hospitality. Power. Yeah. Casinos and the hospitality industry and that, that sort of impact. Um, so, you know, when it comes to what's going to be going on in Boston, of course, it's going to be very different having one versus several. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, everybody loves a good Cirque du du Soleil show. I know that I do. (laughs) Uh, The Wynn is a beautiful hotel and casino here, and they have a couple of properties here in Las Vegas. And, you know, like you said, our our economy here is is really structured and based off of the casinos. Um, That's really, I hate to say all we have here. I was born and raised, but that really is what our city thrives off of is that tourism and and our casinos. And I think recently we're starting to transition into one of those bigger cities like Boston, like LA, like uh, San Francisco, um, like Chicago. You know, we finally have professional teams here, which is amazing. And, you know, we've always been a, a transient type of town where there's people in and out of. And I think that may be due to the casino industry at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people are really flocking here, um, you know, due to obviously a, a lower cost of living compared to Chicago, New York, Boston, L.A. There's no natural disasters here, although we did recently have an earthquake oh, um, right. that everyone was amazed with. Was everybody OK? Was, was, was there any damage in, in Vegas? No, no damages or anything of that nature. There were two, I believe. Uh, don't quote me there, but I believe that there were two in uh, Southern California that went all the way through here. And I was at a restaurant with my family drinking margaritas and I stood up and at the same time I stood up, 
the whole restaurant swayed and I wasn't sure if it was the margaritas or if it was an <laughs> earthquake and we all kind of looked at each other. <laughs> right. But like, what do you do when you're drinking a margarita and an earthquake happens? Do you keep drinking margaritas or? You just keep rolling with it. <laughs> that, that is our Vegas lifestyle, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think back to, to the, the state of the conversation, we don't have natural disasters. Uh, and I think that we're finally working on diversity. There's such a huge number of different types of people here. Right. Um, and we now have a, a medical school, which is what major cities have. Like you've got to uh, appeal to the outside. And I think that, you know, our population and our city and our growth in the real estate market and the rental market has increased so much because when, you know, when the market crashed, all buildings stopped, right? right. Um, all rentals stopped. So there was no apartment complexes going up. You know, no retail, no warehouses, all commercial. I mean, you see abandoned. And, and like, I bet like that transition is just, you know, you could see it. It's like, it's visible. It's everywhere. And who, like, who are these, these people? Who is this transient population? You know, if we, if we go beyond like the, I guess the stereotype of what you would think with, um, you know, just Las Vegas and casinos and hospitality, like who, who, who is this transient population that's appearing? Mostly what I see coming here is people from California. Um, I'd say that half of the people that call me are relocating. And, and like I said, I think that the biggest appeal to our city is, is our, our, the affordability and state taxes. People are sick of paying state taxes, especially in California. We don't have that here. And we're becoming more appealing, you know, to people from other states um, because we're able to offer everything that their state does without that higher cost. Right, right, right. So with all this change and all these, you know, this new transient population arriving in, in Vegas, and it seems like a population that will stay there for the long haul, like how are how are your owners evolving and how are you help, how, how are you helping your owners adapt to this influx? Well, I, I think that most of my portfolio of, of owners are pretty savvy when it comes to the markets. I would say a good 80% of our portfolio are all investors. And most of them are investors that obtained these properties or acquired them through our company and, and through the crash of the market. So as far as evolving and changing with the influx, I don't see that happening as much mm -hmm. within the rental market for our company. The biggest thing that I'm seeing is we're a little bit more discerning when it comes to application approval. We've increased our requirements for an applicant and and we're able to have a much better, I don't know if you want to say pick of the of the you know, pack, but we, we can maybe secure a better tenant or wait out until we get a really, really strong person that we're all comfortable with um, approving that meet the qualifications that we set across the board. You mm -hmm. know, they always say that property management should be black and white and there's no gray area. And we really try to stick to that, but sometimes there is. Um, and, and sometimes you got to go with a gut and people put something on paper and when you actually research it, it's not really what they say. Um, do you use any screening partners um, to help you with that? Do we have any screening partners? We use Buildium. Buildium does our smart moves. Yep, our TransUnion smart moves. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have a pretty detailed uh, rental verification that we do. And, and if there's a question on there that's unanswered that comes from a manager, which happens often, or something that we want more information on, we always reach out to the managers directly of, of a previous tenant and ask the questions and see if we can get them answered. That's great. And within that you know, the solution that you're, that you're using to help screen residents. Just curious, what kind of data, you know, that TransUnion provides? Like, do you most 
like to see and, and, and helps you. I know they have something called the resident score, uh, which is which is something that gives you an overall score based on their qualifications. Just curious what you find the most helpful in screening. So they do give you that score um, or, or what they would say accept, low accept, uh, decline, uh, and things of that nature. I don't always abide by that because we have a certain and set qualification as far as a credit score goes. We require at least a 600 score or above. Now, obviously, we'll take a look at everything and, and TransUnion and the screening that Building provides helps us see what's in there to pull that score down so far. And if we have a question on the report, the nice part about it is I can call TransUnion and they can explain, you know, what's showing up. But we're, we're able to utilize everything and their debt to income ratios that's provided through TransUnion, their eviction history and their criminal history. But we try to take into consideration all that. We don't want to see obviously any evictions, no criminal history, no past due or collections with any property management, no multiple payday loans that you see that someone really can't afford their living. Uh, they're obviously living beyond their means and have been if they're pulling out multiple payday loans. That's a huge one for, for at least our company. Um, and no collections with any utility companies. That should be your number one is, is lights and shelter. And if you can't do that, then I, you know, I feel that you should move on to something that, that is affordable. Right, right. And so obviously there's some, I can imagine you've got your, your, your pick of, uh, of, of the best residents. Um, but do you find that, like, do you think that this growth overall is going to be sustainable? And when I say growth, I mean, you know, growth in rents that you're, that you're seeing year over year. I mean, to be quite honest and blunt, no. We've seen a fluctuation throughout all of the years in real estate here. And, and I think that we're a, a unique market in, in Las Vegas. I was speaking to, to one of our uh, brokers the other day, and then she's got family members where even if we're just talking about normal real estate market, you know, the um, the increase is a few percent each year and you, you gain a little bit of equity, a little bit of equity, and that's a normal market. Um, ours goes up 10%, down 5%. You know, up two percent, down ten percent. Sure. Um, so I, I don't think that it's necessarily sustainable. I think that it it will flash uh, flatten out because what's happening is people aren't able to afford it. You know, people right. that were living in in certain areas of town are now having to move to older areas of town or maybe less desirable areas of town because they can't afford what they're in now, but they still need that amount of space. So I I, I think and do hope just for for our city that. It does flatten out a little bit there um, and goes back and transitions into a normal rental market, at least, because it's, it's become a little bit scary. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, uh, same thing <laughs> around Boston. And, it, you know, the, and I don't know if this is true in in Vegas, but in Boston, for example, because of the cost of living in Boston proper, you know, many millennials can't afford to even think about buying a place, especially saddled by all the college debt they have. So they have to look outside of Boston. And what that winds up doing is it winds up driving them to suburbs like um, like Lynn or uh, suburbs like Salem and these other secondary cities that are not too far away, uh, but have, you know, a little bit lower cost of living. And, and they're also starting to shoot up as well. So curious in Vegas, like what are those, maybe there are neighborhoods, I'm not sure like if there would be a secondary city to, to Vegas or a tertiary city to Vegas where people would be going. So as far as Vegas goes, I think that the people, most people actually prefer the secondary city. So we have, uh, it's not a city, it's an area of town at Sarlin, 
and Henderson. Henderson is a city um, and it's located right outside of Vegas. Pretty much anywhere in Vegas you can get to in 20 to 30 minutes. So we're not talking a long overhaul here. Um, But those are the more desirable areas um, that I've found and people are having to move more central. So the more central you get to the strip, obviously depending on the type of property that you're living in, if you're talking high rise, that's way high cost of living. Sure. Uh, you know, because you're Luxury. central and on the strip. Yeah. Right. But I feel that the more central that you get, the cost of living goes a little bit more lower and lower. Same with rather than people, you know, moving to Henderson, they're moving a little bit further which, which is in the southeast side of town, they're moving a little bit further east rather than southeast because they're still a little bit closer to Henderson, but in a lower cost of living area. <clears throat> and, and what you were saying just about, about the Boston market there and millennials specifically are choosing to rent because nobody can really afford to purchase a home. And that's, that's exactly what happens here. A lot of millennials are still choosing to rent because they can't afford a down payment. Their credit's okay. Their, you know, their, their wages are okay, but their wages haven't met the needs of the, the price of housing, the price of a mortgage. And they're almost now getting beat out for the price of their rent and like moving into areas that are less desirable. Right. Yeah. That's, um, again, a huge thing for the whole country that, that we're seeing here. Um, and in addition to, you know, just the trends that are happening as far as affordability, um, you've experienced some significant changes in Las Vegas around some regulations recently. Just curious, like what those are and how they've been impacting your business. So on that note, we said that, you know, most of our transient population, the people that relocate here from California. So it seems that Nevada is, and NRS is doing the same and they're becoming a little bit more tenant friendly like California. Um, Our eviction processes have changed a little bit. They used to be a you know, when a tenant didn't pay rent, it was a five-day pay or quit. They had five days to either pay their rent or um, surrender the property. Now that's changed from a five-day to a seven-day. Wow. Um, and, and two days really does make an impact on an wow. owner. Um, you know, you're talking, you know, the seven business days. And if we got to an eviction point, you're, you know, you're mid to end of the month evicting a tenant the whole month with no rent and a vacancy. Another huge thing that affects our management company <clears throat> is is a new law for late fees. So they implemented that late fees must be capped at 5% of the regular rent, regardless of what the lease agreement states. Mm-hmm. So this just went into effect in July. All of our late fees are $40 on, on the 4th and $50 a day after that. Well, if you're talking about a $1,200 rent, it's capped at 6250 So if a tenant is 25 days late on their rent, that 6250 is all that's going to come to our management company because that's a management income and in, you know within our agreement. Uh, in a normal lease agreement, that's $250 to us. So you're talking about almost you know, uh, that's a huge loss, 200 to, you know, $150 loss for our management income. Right. And so, and again, it makes it all the more critical that you get good people in there in the first place that, you know, can, can pay the rent and um, are going to be responsible because that's a, yeah, it sounds like it'd take a big chunk out of your, out of your margin. And I mean, of course you want to get people in who can afford the place anyway. And because that's just better for, for everyone, but that's, that sounds like a huge challenge. I think that it is, and we're just trying to adapt to all of the changes. You know, there was a lot of laws with with squatters because we had a really large squatter issue. Um, There's still a lot of vacant houses here from the 
from the market crash, um, and they were trying to make that more owner-friendly um, and, and more landlord, giving us a little bit more rights as far as removal of um, persons and properties that shouldn't be there. Um, but now it's, it's becoming more tenant-friendly for people that are actually substantially um, occupying a home. Yeah, it sounds like a very difficult thing for, for gover- governments to balance these days is the right kinds of regulations that will you know protect people and protect you know, citizens, the population, everybody, and also, you know, be able to value the investors and the owners who have to, you know, they have to, to make money off of these things to make them worth doing. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, so that gets me to another thing I wanted to talk about is in a market, you know, in any market these days, there are winners and losers and especially like a, a competition, uh, a very competitive market like Vegas. Um, do you have any, you know, stories or examples of how you've been able to harness the uh, the rapid growth in, in Vegas and maybe some other opportunities that you weren't able to jump on? I don't really know the answer to that question. As far as examples of stories of what we've been able to harness for the growth, has there been a lot more opportunities? Absolutely. As far as missed opportunities, if we're talking in the real estate sales market, yes. I can say that there's been times where we've done a listing appointment and we stay to a standard commission percentage within our brokerage because we feel and know what what our company is worth. Um, But there's been opportunities where I have charged a a percentage and got beat out by a smaller percentage because someone was willing to work for less. Um, And did I regret it? Maybe on a couple. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I definitely get, I mean, we hear that all the time and, and, you know, I think valuing the level of the service that you're going to deliver, I mean, it's just, you've got to let some of them go, right? Because if somebody's going to undercut you, then, then like, it's not going to be worth it. And, and you're going to might have a hard time. You might have a hard time sort of raising, raising the, the prices o- over time because of, you know, the price sensitivity of that particular client. So yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah, I think I think as a real estate agent anywhere, you have to know your worth and you have to know when to be able to say, you know what, maybe you're better suited with a different agent. But is there times when I got beat out or someone else got the listing and I could have just negotiated a little bit better? For sure. We all have those regrets and, and you just learn from those mistakes. But are people getting beat out by doing 1% listings? And yeah, do I think that you get what you pay for? I think so. And that's not to, you know, talk any bad about any other real estate agent in Las Vegas. Um, It's not very difficult anymore to sell a home here. Um, But there are certain procedures that that should be followed. And um, I think that we can do that to the fullest and we know what our worth is here. That's that's a a great response. And uh, another thing too, that I remember that we talked about was that I thought was pretty unique and and uh, unique to the Vegas market was the amount of reloads that are happening. And uh, I think that was like an opportunity that you were able to, to, uh, to jump on. What was it? What was it again? There was like a reload that happened, like a, like a company that relocated all their staff. Ah, yeah. Synergy Blue. So it's, um, they are a skill based gaming company. And one of our agents was able to secure their commercial lease in a big building over in the south side of town. And we have helped relocate all their employees. So they were breweries here and and our team has helped relocate all of them. So as as each one comes, we're allowing them 
uh, we're just kind of filtering it between all of us as agents and assisting them in finding a home here and in hopes of, you know, obviously they call us in the future, um, but that has definitely been fun and learning about their company and, and seeing the relocation and, you know, on the topic of the growth, you know, in the past five years, there was no building. Now we're seeing tons of building and tons of new retail and tons of warehousing. Everything's back up and running. You know, the commercial market here is responding right with the real estate market. It seems like it's something that's, you know, not just the instance that you're that, that, that you've experienced, but that it's happening, you know, you're broadly across Vegas with, you know, other companies. So it's, I don't know if, if you've seen that uh, in the market as well. Yeah. I mean, Google, Google just broke ground here. We've got Amazon um, that now has a huge hub here. So we're seeing tons of people relocating for that. Um, you know, and, and back to, we're trying to really transition to a big, big city. We're building stadiums. Um, we finally are, Google's breaking ground, right? So now we have a tech kind of portion that people could, could appeal to and relocate to. Um, Zappos is huge here. I don't know if you know anything about oh, yeah. Tony at Zappos, but they're huge within our community and, and help quite a lot here with the community. Zappos has a great reputation. They, they treat their people really well. That's like the reputation they have. They treat their people extremely well. They truly do. I've been to many events. Um, they're uh, true. He's a, an amazing man for sure. Um, and he definitely cares about the community here. I've seen, and, and, you know, I think that they've partnered with Amazon as well. So I think that's a huge, huge thing for, for our economy here. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's great to get an inside scoop on that stuff. Um, so really one last thing I wanted to ask you here is, you know, obviously you've seen, you've been with, been in Vegas for, for a while now, you've seen the ups and the downs and you've seen the boom happen. And, um, you really gone through those transitions and continue to go through them. What is what is your advice for other property managers, you know, caught in a similar situation? Uh, well, you don't know where to start. <laughs> you know, I think that in in property management, being ethical and morally sound is the best advice I can give to anyone. Be upfront and honest with your owners. Be upfront and honest with your tenants, because the only thing that's going to happen if you don't is you're going to get caught in the middle of that. Lawful isn't always moral, um, but I think that if, if you can find a balance between both and being ethical within that, that's that's the best thing for you as a property manager. Amazing advice. Um, and I truly thank you, Brianna, for taking the time to speak with me today. It's been a pleasure. Uh, a lot of great insights from this convo. And um, yeah, I definitely hope to have you on the show again at some point. So most of the episodes, like I always talk about how the epic stories are my favorite part. Um, you know, what's uh, what's funny about this one is that um, there's a lot of her epic story that, need, you know, we are a family show here at the Property Manager Podcast. <laughs> right. We're definitely PG-13 at most. Um, Brianna in particular had some really good stories. She did. We knew that going into it. It's Vegas. She's seen some stuff. So with that said, here is the G-rated story from Brianna. We, we see some some great and heartfelt stories, but mostly we see crazy um, <laughs> within the market here in Las Vegas. <laughs> so it was really, I have heartfelt families that I love and that I get really sad when they leave as tenants. But as far as heartfelt, heartfelt experience as a property manager, it would definitely be uh, when we find an abandoned dog, um, because we're all dog lovers here. Um, within our company and animal lovers. And recently, probably within, I want to say four months ago, um, our field representative was out at one of our, 
properties and found a pit bull. Um, and he was the sweetest pit bull and so cute. Um, and she wouldn't, she didn't want to leave him and animal control wouldn't come and get him because they felt that he wasn't abandoned. And it was, it was an abandoned property. Um, so we took him in, took him to the vet, found out that he was blind, um, and found a permanent home for him and uh, just kind of reached out to, to all of our resources here. We have some, some tenants that work within uh, rescue teams and, and found a good home for him. I'm a dog person. Solid story right there. Definitely not as funny as the other ones that we cut, but fun fact, Brianna's company was actually approached to do a reality TV show. They witnessed some crazy stuff. They turned it down because of privacy reasons. But Tony, I think there's something there for us one day down the line. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's start a, a reality TV show for property managers called Property Manager Confessions. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right, so that just about does it for us today. Hope you enjoyed this interview with Brianna Parra. Uh, as always, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, whatever you, wherever you listen to podcasts, because we love to get those ratings. And also, if you are in Vegas or you're in a secondary market like Vegas, we want to hear from you. We want to understand what your direct experience is like, how things are going uh, in property management for you and your team. So as always, thank you, Rachel and Fred. You guys are great. And uh, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee now. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope you have a good one and uh, see you next time.